Hey, welcome back to Mobile First. I'm your host, Jordan Bryant. Every week, I sit down with industry leaders to unlock how they are creating effective mobile experiences that make an impact for their businesses so that you can understand the perspective and tactics to replicate their success. If you're new to the show, Mobile First is the media child of Emerge Interactive, a digital experience company with two decades of creating highly performing digital products out of Portland, Oregon. We believe that every digital product owner deserves a clear vision, plan of action, and the right capabilities to create effective digital experiences that help to increase sales and performance. This week on Emerge Mobile First, a conversation with Keith Kroc, chairman of the board at DocuSign. Okay, you want people with high IQ, you want people with high EQ, good people skills, but also you want people with high AQ. And AQ, I mean adversity quotient. Keith Kroc has served as chairman of the board of DocuSign since 2009. Kroc started his career at General Motors, becoming the youngest vice president at age 26. He later co-founded B2B commerce pioneer Ariba, took the firm public in 2000. By the end of his tenure, Ariba had reached $34 billion in market capitalization. Keith, thank you for joining. Really excited to have you here. Well, Jordan, thanks so much for having me on your show. I've uh, heard and read and seen so much about you. is just a privilege. Thanks so much. Well, thank you. Yeah. And before diving into your amazing experience and your awesome track record, we'd like to pause just for a moment and get to know your perspective, what inspires you, what your why is. So Keith, what are you most passionate about in your profession and why? Well, I think in my profession, the thing I'm most passionate about is making an impact and making a difference, you know, whether it's a, a big difference, a little difference, but most of all, a meaningful difference. You know, a lot Along the way, the uh, thing that it has really been passion in terms of being able to make that difference is I'm a student of transformational leadership. I love to be a disruptive innovator, and I'm passionate about mentoring and building companies because I do believe that, you know, really the most important things in life aren't written in a book, and you've got to get bloodied in the ring to be able to experience that. So I love being on the field. It's really interesting that you brought that up, being out in the field, because in looking at your history, you know, you went from, from a mechanist to an engineering intern to then General Motors, and then you jumped around to technology companies. So I'm really curious, you know, what caused some of these pivots in your journey? It seems like my journey has been uh, maybe a different chapter every seven. I'm always looking for that next adventure. I'm always looking for the challenge, you know. I always call it jumping in water over your head, and it's scary fun. Sooner or later, you're going to learn how to, uh, to swim, and so, wow, that's scary fun. That adrenaline rush becomes addicting. So, you know, jumping from a machine shop to VP of General Motors to early pioneer in the robotics business and creating a category and engineering software and creating B2B commerce and now DocuSign. For me, that's fun. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, what about your childhood? What about, you know, your story created that in you? Because I can't imagine as a 10-year-old, you're sitting there thinking about creating like a new business category in B2B commerce platforms, right? <laughs> no, I, you know, the thing that shaped me very much was uh, my dad uh, grew up in Ohio, very uh, humble means. And my dad was a uh, 
steel salesman. One day, he just kind of jumped totally out of his comfort zone, and he started a machine shop. Now, the machine shop in good times is five people, and in uh, tough times, it was just me and him. Uh, entrepreneur experience and seeing my dad do that and how much he loved that, that's where I got my inspiration from, probably my, my courage from, and just probably my work ethic from. And so, you know, with that ingrained in you and, and all these things that you've experienced, how does that background influence how you approach different ventures and with DocuSign today? One of the core principles that I uh, learned from him was you got to have a true north. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's all about your integrity you know, people can say a lot of bad things about you. You can lose money, all that kind of stuff, but they cannot take away your integrity. You know, he also taught me that ego is your enemy. Humility is your friend. You know, he also taught me don't look too good or talk too smart. Don't be afraid to talk about your failures, your fears, because people know that everybody has fears and failures and weaknesses. So why not talk about them? Put them out there. Have fun with them. You know, he taught me that the most superpower to have in the business world or in life is a self-deprecating sense of humor. So uh, he was a funny guy. <laughs> what a cool mentor to have, right? And so grounded so early on to help influence the life path. Absolutely. And so you've talked about transformational leadership, and I, I think we're going to spend a fair amount of time talking about that today and, and how that's cultivated a lot of the results in the experiences that you've had. So I think maybe transitioning a little bit to DocuSign, why did you decide to join DocuSign and, and what, what opportunities did you see there? Well, you know, it was interesting because after uh, running Ariba for so many years, I never thought I'd go do the CEO thing again. And I took a little time off and Next thing you know, I get a call from one of my buddies. He goes, hey, I want to show you this company I just invested in. And I said, hey, I'm not going back and being the CEO. He goes, hey, let me just come on over and give you a, uh, buy a cup of coffee. And he showed it to me, and I just go, oh, my God. I go, this has a chance to change the way business is done, to simplify people's lives securely, and literally could run the same playbook as Ariba. So... So then I just went on the board and the first board made, hey, will you be the chairman? And then a little while after that, they convinced me to, you know, jump in as the CEO. And, uh, you know, we probably added 50 people back then and, and it was just embryonic. But it's been, an, you know, it's been an incredible journey to look how far we've come. So what do you mean by being able to use the same playbook? Like what are some of the, the commonalities that you identified when looking at a DocuSign that you saw from Ariba? You know, in all four companies I built, and also two major, one was a public uh, institution, and the other was a nonprofit, utilize the playbook. And that's a vision, mission, values, team rules, long-term goals, strategy, operationalize it, and execution. And that's the essence of the playbook. So... You have when you're scaling a company, so everybody is aligned exactly on that vision and on that mission and the values. All that's key. 
and, and by the way, that is that's almost been universal in every company. Then when it comes down to the strategy, we talk about it as a leverage growth strategy. So find a big unserved market, create a platform with a strong value proposition, scale that up, uh, and then a go-to-market where you're able to systematically, whether it's by vertical industries or horizontal applications, be the leader in that uh, space, and then create a category, and it's more than just naming it, and, and then you build a network, then you add value onto that network, and what turbocharges that is your ecosystem of partners, and also if you can create an industry standard, along that way. So you're, as you scale up on that sequential strategy, you increase the leverage of your business and that you also create barriers to entry so you can you know, become the unquestioned market leader. That's really fascinating. I, I think when we think of mobile experiences, oftentimes we think really product level, but oftentimes what goes into an effective mobile experience is all the enablers. I mean, looking at DocuSign, as the global standard for digital transaction management, right? What you've been able to do there is pretty profound. And so I think digging into some of these enablers with this transformational leadership and this playbook would be really fascinating. And so as you know, the CEO for, for those six years coming into the role, what were some of the early challenges that you were faced with that, that you saw had to be changed in order to reach that next level? Well, I think, you know, if you look at uh, the most important role of a CEO, it's building a high performance team. And the company with the best team wins. We had a great leadership team, but then I also brought in a lot of other folks who have done it before and they have that pattern recognition. And they get everybody unified as a team focusing on the external mission, which is, we always say we measure our success by our customer success and their metrics, and then defining a clear direction, which we did through the playbook. And then it's a question of execution. And you can have the greatest strategy in the world, but if you can't execute, you're going to fail every time. And, you know, your strategy may be just okay, but if you can out-execute everybody else, you're going to win. And, you know, if there's anything I've learned in the technology business, and it certainly applies to mobile, is that the new currency and the weapon of choice is speed. So speed in decision-making process, speed in product development, speed in setting up distribution channels, it's all a time game. So that's what makes it, I think, so exciting. And at DocuSign, what mobile really did is it turbocharged our business, turbocharged our network, because you know, being able to enable anyone to transact anytime, anywhere, Mobile tur- just just absolutely turbocharged it. Hmm. So you've you've talked a lot about this leadership component and building these teams, and and when building a great team that leads to great success, and then when having those great teams being able to make really quick decisions that allows you to speed things up, especially things with networks. And so I, I think there's definitely some secret sauce around how you build these teams, like what you're identifying in the people to create these effective teams. So can you maybe talk about the components that you look for in the people or in teams that you're creating that allow you to reach this speed? Absolutely. So 
you know, I think one of the key characteristics is people have to have a passion about building. They're builders. And whether it's a product, an organization, a distribution, they love to build. The other thing is a mindset of challenging the status quo. You know, in one word, it's change. It's the most powerful word in any language. So you're looking for people who love, who love that change. You know, if you look at kind of the formula, okay, you want people with high IQ. You want people with high EQ, good people skills. But also, you want people with high AQ. And AQ, I mean adversity quotient. I mean, can they get a licking and keep on ticking? Can they take a bag of sour lemons and turn it into sweet lemonade, you know? Can they handle that adversity? Because, you know, there's going to be things that are just going to come up left and right that uh, you're not going to be able to predict. And are they able to get it across, you know, the last two yards of that goal line? That's, that's the hardest thing. So it's kind of that grit, determination, gumption, and get up and go. I love that. I've never heard of that before, AQ. Did you make that up? Well, you know what? I steal all my material, but I only steal from the very best. You know, that's what I... <laughs> That's what I love about Silicon Valley. You know, I always say if you steal from one, it's plagiarism. You steal from more than one, it's market research. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. In our conversation, you know, prior to this, you were talking about some of these things, some of these factors, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit. And that sounds like that's what you're talking about, the ability to persevere, you know, in some of these tough situations. And then it makes sense being a passionate builder. How do you identify that in people? Is it just really apparent or do you have, uh, you know, some sort of trial that you put people through? I guess, you know, how, how do I identify these things and then even determine that they'd be a good match with some of the other team members? Because I, I assume if you get a lot of people that are really capable and that challenge status quo, that might be tough to create, you know, chemistry potentially between a lot of people. And I'll come back to the, to the diversity of thought and the, the different chemistry. but. You want people who are resilient, who have drive, who have been knocked down a few times. And so how do you test for that when you're interviewing them, right? And you haven't met these folks before. The best people always to hire are, are, are people that you know, you trust, and your teammates know, and it builds one another. But if you're getting somebody off the street, then, I, you know, I always I assume uh, positive intent. I go, you're a very driven person even though I don't know if they're not. And I go, where'd you get your drive from? And basically, they tell their personal journey, their personal story. And typically, it is about some type of adversity or role models early in their childhood. And uh, that's, that's what you, and you can see that spark. I mean, do they wanna put a trophy on the mantle? Do they wanna win? Do they want to, uh, rip the heart out of the competition, <laughs> but also do they have the range in terms of love and be part of a noble cause and to transform people's lives and to give back and pay forward. So, you know, you're looking for that, that driven range. So, you know, I think that resiliency is absolutely key. So there's a couple components here that, that are really surfacing that I think that I want to, you know, draw some lines to. So you have this, this idea of 
really effective teams. And then you were talking about this playbook that you see that you said that you could apply. And then you've mentioned this, this network component as well. And so these three things sound like they allow you to replicate the success. I know that you, you had a lot of success at Ariba with this network component that you're, you're talking about. And then it sounds like that was a major role in the success at DocuSign too. And it, I think I saw something like you guys achieved 60x growth with this global trust network. So can you maybe talk a little bit more about how you take advantage of this network effect using you know, the teams and the playbook? What do you see that creates that success utilizing a network? Yeah, if you look at you know, what we did at Ariba, we, uh, we built a two-sided network, buyers and suppliers, right? Now it has 1.3 trillion of commerce going through it every year. At DocuSign, we built the DocuSign Global Trust Network, and that's also a two-sided network between you know businesses and consumers, and sometimes businesses to businesses or businesses to government, those kind of things. And now we now there's 300 million users on that network. 300,000 companies have standardized in 188 countries. We're putting two million unique users on a week, and the thing that drives that network is okay so the number of nodes the power of the network is exponentially related to the number of nodes so you want to get as many customers as you can and the way you get them by is by having a strong value proposition and in docusign's case it is top and bottom line it's very quantifiable and then also it drives that customer experience, making people's lives simple and secure. And then the third one is reducing risk in terms of security and compliance. So with that value proposition, you build those up. And then you want to take the friction out between the nodes. And we actually facilitated an industry standard called XDTM, which it quantifies levels of trust in terms of security, privacy, data availability, interoperability, enforceability, all that. That combined with a great user experience really reduces the friction in the system. And then you want to add value to each one of those nodes. Like, for example, we have DocuSign payments, so you can DocuSign and pay in one easy step. And so you, you can continue to increase that value for the customer. And then you get that network effect. And the big thing we did was we turbocharged it, powerful multidimensional partnerships that included, you know, these companies were enterprise customers, product integrations, go-to-market resell, and they were investors. And it's companies like Microsoft, Google, SAP, Salesforce, Visa, Dell, Intel, even Federal Express, Deutsche Telekom, NTT, you name it. And then that becomes very, very powerful network where everybody's rooting on your success. So there's some themes that I, I keep seeing. It's just this idea of structure and you're systematizing these processes. I haven't seen in a lot of the research with other guests, you know, that, that some of these names are like, you have like a global trust network. Like, yes, I understand, you know, there's, there's businesses, there's the marketplace, there's the business side and the consumer side, and, and it's a, a utility in between. And, you know, a lot of solutions have that, but you're, you're naming it and you're structuring this, this network. And so 
I'm curious, you know, what led you to do that? You know, what, what were the, the things that you benefited from doing something like that? You know, what it really does is it creates a framework for scaling. You know, at the end of the day, it's all about innovating at scale. Now, the, the, the irony of these frameworks and these universal principles that have been tested over time by trial and error, right? The underpinnings of that is about trusted relationships. So what, if you ask me, is perhaps um, the most important thing in the, in the business world, it is the breadth and depth of trusted relationships that you've built over time. And we actually created a framework for that as well at DocuSign really got a kick up. We have a advisory board, a cross section of industry leaders, government leaders, military leaders, academic leaders of 150 people, you know, all the way from, you know, former CEO of McDonald's, General Motors, Adobe, uh, General Stanley McChrystal, technology advisors to the prime minister of Japan. And it all starts with, with that because you know, when you have this idea and you go, okay, well, we built this prototype. How are you going to get your first order? You're going to get it from your friends, basically people who trust you. So that's probably the most important framework there is. And building trust and relationships is everything. And in the business world, everything is divided by time. You only have so much time. So I think Probably the most executive and most important executive skill is how fast can you build a trusted relationship? Can you meet with somebody over dinner or a meeting and actually walk away and you have yourself a real honest and goodness, trusted relationship? And that's an important skill. And, you know, the only way you can do that is to get inside to somebody's core and so to get inside somebody's core, they got to be vulnerable. And, the, and, you know, the way to get people vulnerable is you got to become vulnerable first. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have that, be, be willing to put it out there. So that's a long-winded answer to, I think, one of the most important aspects in business that academics or scientists, you know, they underestimate. So if we were to break down this framework a little bit further, you know, what are the pieces of this framework that you're constantly evaluating in order to scale for this network? A big thing is what are the innovative strategies to be able to reach all corners of of the market? So for example, DocuSign, I mean, every company, every institution's potential customer, every department, in those potential customers, every person is a potential end user. So it's how effectively and efficiently can you reach that? And that's where uh, partnerships is absolutely a key strategy, the ones that I mentioned. But also entering a new country is very important. The country of Japan changed the laws for uh, DocuSign because they have a national imperative of improving productivity and they've declared war on, on paper. So how you enter a country is really important. By the way, that's by trusted relationships, you know, and to go over there and listen first and take their culture and tradition and histories into account and have a very system 
pragmatic uh, approach to do it. And it has to be, a, you know, a long-term view. And then you have to leverage what you've done in your home country, whether it's the multinational subsidiaries in the U.S. Uh, or whether it's your global partners. So I think that's a key aspect. So Keith, what's one thing that you're working on right now that you're able to share that you want everyone to check out? Well, I think for me at uh, this point in my life, my biggest passion is inspiring and given strategies that have been battle tested in the ring, you know, that, that inspiration, that, that courage and the know-how to go out and start that company or, you know, within a big organization, bring that new idea to fruition and achieve escape velocity. So I, you know, I'm just so passionate about the mentorship side of the equation. And so that's what now I spend a a fair amount um, amount of my time doing. And, you know, one of the forms to do it is I put a lot of stuff up on uh, my website, you know, it's just keithrock.com. And it's just really to help inspire the entrepreneurs who are in the middle of it or the wantrepreneurs, you know, whether they're young or old. Well, I'll make sure to definitely link to that website in the show notes then so that everyone can go directly there and check it out. I'm also going to be a fan of that. So I will definitely go and check that out as well. Is there any other you know, ways that you would suggest to get a hold of you? I know that you're on LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you prefer we go to the, the website or are there other areas that you'd like us to get in touch with you? Yeah, there's contact information you know, right on there. Okay. You can always email me and, and those kind of things. I like to take questions and, of that and, and uh, answer those out on the website. So I'm accessible. And, and you know, I learned so much from that because and I really believe this with all my heart, is that I really think diversity of thought and people with different temperaments, talents, and conviction is the catalyst for genius, and it's the magic sauce for leadership. And uh, so anyway, um, I love that. Awesome. So yeah, I'll definitely link to all those then in the show notes and then make sure to tune in this Friday for a rapid fire round where Keith will be sharing some of his most valuable resources. And so again, thank you so much for, for the time. It was a pleasure to have you on. Well, Jordan, thank you so much. Hey, thank you for listening. For additional resources on how to increase sales and performance with your mobile experiences, head over to www.emergemobilefirst.com and select the Get Free Resources button there at the top and gain instant exclusive access to tools and resources from all of our guests aggregated into one single place just for you. Now I'm looking forward to digging in with my next guest, but until next time, think mobile first.